0: Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. What the Lord desires is that that we would worship Him, we would get to the place of worship in spirit and truth, and that that's getting beyond the soul, beyond the mind, will, and emotions to where our spirit is connecting with the Spirit of God and ministering. That's our desire, is that we, we want to learn to be ministers to the Lord, which, which seems kind of weird because, I mean, he doesn't need anything. But he's so worthy of our ministry to him, and, and that's, that's why we were created. Uh, and so it's, it's a natural thing. When when we can get to that place, so as as we worship today, engage in praise and great engage in worship. Minister to the Lord. We have the elements for the Lord's Supper in the back. Um, you can go back and get those and just partake uh, when whenever you uh, want to during worship, as we, we like to just have a continuous flow of praise and worship that's, that's not interrupted by anything to help us really engage with the Lord. Amen? <laughs> so, Father, I, I thank you that Luke and I are here because you, you blessed him with a, a great moose. And uh, we, we just thank you for your provision in so many ways, for your goodness to us in so many ways. And I, I pray you would help us to praise you and worship you in spirit and truth this morning. And we do praise you. We choose to minister to you because you're you're good, you're worthy, you're holy. We thank you. Amen.
1: Well, good morning. <clears throat> You know, if you enjoyed that last song, um, Tom Ewing did that quite a few years ago now. <clears throat> but it's available at TomEwing.net if you would like to order that. <clears throat> it's on one of his albums. He's got about four now, I think, that he's done. You now Bev and I had the opportunity to worship with Tom for hundreds of hours. Resurrection Fellowship during the time he was there. Um, we were there when he was first installed as the worship leader. <clears throat> he had been the high school, or no, I believe his junior high youth pastor, and then he became the worship leader for the church. And then later on, God called him to a, a larger ministry. He travels the country now uh, leading worship and teaching worship. We're blessed to have heard and worship with him and I encourage you to, to get that at Um while we're talking about things other than the message I might mention two things that are on the table or the counter back there I, I know I had planned this morning to, to speak to you about meditating and meditating on God specifically uh, but we're not going to get there <laughs> um, we have more in Psalm 63, uh, then I'll be able to cover that and meditating on God. So a number of years ago, Bev wrote, Bev is my wife for those who are visiting today. Um, She wrote a little paper on meditation that's very helpful. So we've copied that. uh, It's on the back counter, three pages there. Also, I'll say this about meditation. You know, there's a difference between Eastern meditation and biblical meditation. Eastern meditation's goal is to empty your mind. That's dangerous, folks. That allows demons to come in. Okay? So we're not trying to go there. Um, Biblical meditation, you're filling your mind with the Word of God. Your heart becomes full of God's presence. You're communing with God as you go into His Word. So just a quick introduction, but um, when we, rather than emptying our minds, we meditate on something or meditate in something. And Bev has, again, provided a a two-page list of verses about God's unfailing love. So if you need something to meditate on, that's also available back there um, I'm grateful to have my wife um, God bless her for spending all the time that it took to put our worship together this morning um, we really appreciate that some of the technical difficulties you went into sometimes are uh, <laughs> a little frustrating but she made it happen um, ok let's pray Father, this morning we humble our hearts before you, and we ask, Holy Spirit, come, teach us, lead us into all truth, show us what you want us to see. Anoint me, Jesus, to speak your word in your power, to bring life, liberty, In your presence to your people, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Well, we've been in a season of learning to guard or protect and nourish or cultivate the place of encounter with God. So on September 2nd, I taught a message on protecting the place of encounter. Um, I'd like to just review very, very quickly some of the key points of that message. In Ephesians chapter three, verse 17, Paul prayed that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So Christ dwells in our hearts. So based upon that, I told you that I believe the place of encounter with our God is in our hearts. And I mentioned a little booklet to you by Robert Boyd Munger called My Heart Christ's Home. In the book or booklet Robert Boyd Munger talks about the different rooms if you will of your heart. And the, the basic point being Jesus wants access to all of your life. There shouldn't be anything off limits. You know, it's like, no, you can't go in there. I'm ashamed of that. Or you know, it's like, well, hello. He's here to save you. And he knows all about it anyway, so whatever. All right, Proverbs 423 was one of the key verses, I believe. It says, keep or watch over or guard your heart with all diligence or vigilance. For out of it spring the issues of life. I believe it's the NIV that says everything you do flows from it, from your heart. So, what's in your heart? Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Also, out of the abundance of the heart, we act. Okay? Before you punch somebody, there was something in your heart. Okay? So, <clears throat> before you adore and worship the Lord, there's something in your heart. Amen? All right. Well, at the end of that message, I read Psalm 63, but I didn't really teach on it. Today, I'd like to spend a little more time in that psalm, but I want to focus, rather than on protecting the place of encounter, I want to talk about nourishing or cultivating the place of encounter. You know, David was called the sweet psalmist of Israel. He wrote 73 of the 150 psalms, including Psalm 63. I believe this psalm is one of the sweetest that he ever wrote, and it's really become my favorite. So I want to read it to you. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version today. I'll be teaching out of that, and I'll tell you why later. Um, I hope that's good. All right. It's up there for you if you don't have the ESV with you so that you can... Uh, Take a look at it. All right, let's read Psalm 63, 1 to 8 together. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. When you spend some time in that psalm, it's very easy to see why God said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, A man after my own heart, who will do all my will. You know, David's heart, if you read verse one, the first just the first phrase. I'm gonna go through the psalm pretty much phrase by phrase, but there'll be a few that I may not even mention. Um Again, I'm trying to focus on nourishing the place of encounter. But the first phrase, O God, you are my God. David's heart was fully committed to the Lord. He knew the first commandment, which says you shall have no other gods before me. And he understood that the Ten Commandments were a covenant between the Lord and his people. We've talked about this before, but the church is the bride of Christ. Jesus is the bridegroom. And this covenant is actually a marriage covenant. Okay? So to violate that covenant is to be unfaithful to the love of your soul. Old well, David had entered into that covenant with all his heart and delighted himself in the Lord. It was David who wrote in Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. David delighted in God. There was no sense of duty. There was no sense of obligation. There was no religion about it. There was a passionate pursuit of the God whom he'd come to know. David also knew the Shema. In Deuteronomy chapters, chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, the Shema is listed. It's something that the Jewish people have been reciting daily as a prayer for many centuries. It begins here, and the word here is Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You know, when I was uh, a much younger man, before I had met my wife, I met some girls that I was pretty attracted to. And I I really wanted them to love me. But you know what? I couldn't tell them, you shall love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Doesn't work like that, does it? It just didn't work. (sighs) Yahweh was to be the sole object of Israel's worship, allegiance, and affection. David didn't obey these commandments out of religious duty. He passionately loved the Lord. You know, as I meditate on this psalm, I've I've realized that many contemporary musicians have written music using the words of this psalm. We just heard one, the last song during worship. How about this one? Oh, God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. Oh, God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning, and I will learn to walk in your ways. Step by step, you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. Cool song, huh? I know Michael W. Smith sings it. David Strasser wrote it. Praise the Lord. Let's go on to the next phrase where David wrote, earnestly I seek you. The Amplified Bible translates earnestly as with deepest longing. Some synonyms for the word earnest are fervent, Intent, purposeful, determined. Earnest implies having a purpose and being steadily and soberly eager in pursuing it. You know, one example of honest or earnestly seeking God is given in Psalm 119.45. I think that might be 145. I need to check that out. At any rate, in one of the psalms, one of the verses it says, I cry out with my whole heart. That's earnestness. I cry out with my whole heart. The same psalm in verse 2 tells us that blessed are those who seek him with the whole heart. The blessing is revealed in Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, where it says, The prophet Jeremiah says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That is the blessing of searching for him with all of our hearts. Now Jesus said in Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Those words, ask, seek, and knock, are in the present tense in the Greek language. And they suggest both perseverance and frequent prayer. And for that reason, the Amplified Bible translates this verse, ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on asking. On seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. If we kind of half heartedly mumble some request of the Lord, do you think He's really going to take us very seriously? Go on to the next phrase, my soul thirsts for you. In Matthew chapter five, verse six, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. I debated about including some things that I've cut out of my notes. But I think we need to search our hearts and ask, am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Because those are necessary conditions if we're gonna be filled with righteousness, filled with God we must hunger and thirst for righteousness. Last week, Jay taught on this concept. He mentioned John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38, where Jesus said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Here again, there are conditions to having rivers of living water flow out of our hearts. The first one, if anyone thirsts. Second, let him come to me. Third, drink. And then believe in him as the scripture has said. In other words, believe that he is who the scripture declares him to be. One of our problems in the American church today is we don't know who our God is. We have accepted a bunch of... Well, I don't want to even go there too much. It just... You know, we just need to know what who God really is. We're only going to find out who he is through his word. But then he can only reveal who he is through his word, as we come to him and open our hearts and say, God, give me that revelation. Well, Jay's message should be on the podcast. It would be if I hadn't hogged the computer yesterday. <laughs> um, that would have been able to get that done. But um, if you haven't listened to that message from last week, I encourage you. I'm assuming that maybe today we can get it up on the podcast. And for those of you who did not hear it, or want to hear it again, it'll be available. You know the next phrase okay, I'm sorry I missed a key point here. <clears throat> God will give us as much of Himself as we truly desire and are able to receive. When Charles Finney was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit came on him in such a way that he felt like he couldn't take any more. He just literally couldn't. He would die if God gave any more of himself to him. So there's a limit to how much we as human beings can receive of the limitless God. But the first step is desire. And then asking God to enlarge our capacity for more of him. So I would ask you this morning, are you satisfied with your experience in God? Are you hungry and thirsty for more? The next phrase, David says, My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now we know that our bodies can faint if we're dehydrated. But David is saying here that his body faints for the Lord. He's saying that his body needs the spirit. To function properly, my paraphrase is my body needs your spirit as much as it needs physical water. Now, one biblical support for that idea in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, the Apostle Paul writes, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, does He? Does the Spirit dwell in you? He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. God will give His life to your mortal body, to your spirit who dwells in you. I wasn't gonna include this, but I I can't resist. (laughs) You know when Caleb was 85 years old? Yeah, he said, my strength To go out to battle is as good now as it was 40 years ago, before we went through the wilderness. Give me this mountain, I will take it. Moses, when he was 120 years old, it says of Moses that his vision was just as clear as it had ever been, and his strength was not diminished. 120? So I think there's more in God for our physical well-being than we receive sometimes. I'll tell you this. I've noticed, you know, I'm, I'm 64 years old. But I see some people that are 44, and they look older than me. And then I see some, well, if Lou doesn't mind... She's a few years older than me, and she's doing pretty well. Thank you very much. Amen. Amen. Praise God. She's sure. Yes. <laughs> so the way we live, whether we live in, in cooperation with the Spirit of God or not, affects our physical well-being. Well, going on to the, to the next Verse. David writes, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary. Now the words looked upon reminded me of 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, which in the NIV says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, This we proclaim concerning the word of life. Seeing with our eyes is not the same as looking at something, to observe it carefully. Have you guys ever had the embarrassing experience that I have? Your wife goes to get a haircut, she comes home, hoping you'll notice how nice she looks and how pretty she is and, and you don't notice. Well, you saw her hair, right? She walked right in front of you. You said hello, but you weren't looking at her. I really appreciate the keyword study Bible. Um, the word looked at is translated in that study Bible from the Greek as to wonder to behold, view attentively, to contemplate. It is regard for something marked by a sense of wonderment. The wonder of God. A contemplative and ponderous gaze, which carefully and deliberately observes an object in order to perceive it correctly and in detail. This word involves more than merely seeing. It is noticing, recognizing, and taking note of something with reflection and acute interest. Now that isn't the word meditation, but that's In my mind, that's a pretty good definition for meditation. Think about the legendary Sherlock Holmes. He noticed details others missed and was able to solve crimes others would have been completely unable to because he looked at rather than just seeing with his eyes. Now, a personal example of this, one time when I was in the FTO program for the sheriff's office, I was taken to a large convenience store where there are multiple gas bays, and my training officer sat outside with me and said, okay, I want you to start writing down everything you see. It's amazing what you don't see. So we need to look at God in his sanctuary. The next phrase is beholding your power and glory. The word beholding is translated gazed upon in the New Living Translation. The word gaze means to look with fixed attention or to stare. David is looking with fixed attention and staring at the power and glory of the Lord. The voice translation translates beholding as, have been awed by. The result of David looking with fixed attention and staring at the power and glory of the Lord was that he was awed by them. That's an important component of the fear of the Lord. You know, another psalm David wrote was Psalm 27. In verse four of that psalm, David says, "One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to meditate in His temple." The English Standard Version translates behold as gaze upon. Remember, that means to look at intently or to stare. So here we see that David was beholding or gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. Now, of course, we can't see God, God's beauty, with our natural eyes. God is a spirit. So we can only see him with spiritual eyes. Mike Bickle says that the Lord's beauty is what he looks like in terms of his personality. Can you think of some things that make God beautiful in his personality? His love, his faithfulness, his gentleness, his kindness, his patience, his mercy, his compassion. How many more could we give? Yeah. He's limitless. So beholding or gazing upon his beauty is contemplating the many aspects of his personality. This next verse, verses 3 and 4, mentions one of the best-known qualities of his personality, his steadfast love. So verse 3 and 4, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. David had experienced God's love for him and knew that being loved by God was better than his physical life. David's response to God's love for him was to praise him with his lips and commit himself to bless the Lord for the rest of his life. You know, that word bless is not one that's really very well understood, I don't think. In other translations, it's translated as praise, magnify, thank, and give honor. I believe I've also heard, I couldn't find this, but I believe the word bless means to speak well of. Okay? Once again, this verse... Reminds me of another song. Remember, we, we were singing this one with uh, Tom Ewing, Your Love is Better Than Life. This one goes like this. <clears throat> so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. So I will bless you as long as I live. And in the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. You heard that one? There's more to it, but uh, that's a cool song. Let's go to verse 5. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Now the reason I chose the English Standard Version this morning is that this translation brings out that each of the phrases in these three verses are related to one another. You see, the punctuation is not in the original text. So, the punctuation, as well as the choice of words, is the choice of the translators. I think they got it right here in the English Standard Version. The word when at the beginning of verse 6 unlocks an important truth for us. Do you want to have a deeply satisfied soul? Well, the verse says, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. So if you want a satisfied soul, you need to remember him and meditate on him. You know, God's been doing this thing lately with me that sometimes is a challenge to my flesh, but it's precious. I wake up and I can't go back to sleep because I'm thinking about Jesus, thinking about God, thinking about his word. God's doing something in me that I've been wanting to see for a long time. But he's doing it. Mike Bickle, in his book, The Pleasures of Loving God, by the way, there are copies of that book back there too available. And Our group meets tomorrow night. So if you want to join us, pick up a book and come see us. There's information back there about that. But in that book, Mike writes, A deeply satisfied soul, a personal sense of meaning and significance, and a rich treasure store of divine pleasure can only come through the intimate knowledge of God himself. Something awakens inside of us. when we know what God is like. He designed us so that our spirits will dull when we have a void of the knowledge of God's beauty. Our spirits will become progressively more dull and callous if we're not coming into regular, fresh contact with the Word of God, where the Holy Spirit reveals to us what God is like. I thank God that he's awakening me. Let's look at the beginning of verse seven. For you have been my help. The word for explains why David remembered God and meditated on him. Remember, they're all connected. The thoughts are all connected. Five and six. Say, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Four, you have been my help. David really had been helped throughout his life. I just want to share some of the things that happened in David's life. You know, when the Israelites were challenged, and men, I want you to pay attention. This is for you. When the Israelites were challenged by the Philistine giant Goliath, and David volunteered to fight him, King Saul said to David, David, You're not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him. You're but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But listen to what David said to Saul. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing as he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So when Goliath saw David, he despised him because David looked like a young kid who was no threat to him. I mean, Goliath is nine feet tall. David's probably 5'8", if he's fully grown yet. So Goliath challenged David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. But David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And then after that great victory, the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. King Saul became jealous and tried to kill David twice by throwing a spear at him and then hunting for him when David fled from him. But God protected David from Saul. And after several years, made him king over Israel. Man, I told you that story about David because we need to understand that worshiping God and seeking him with all our hearts is what real men do. David was a warrior. Not only that, In Exodus chapter 15, verse 3, it says, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. I guarantee you one thing. You don't want to tick God off. So for us as men, I want us to understand worshiping God and seeking God is not for weak, effeminate, pansy, whatever other description you want to come up with. David was a man's man. And he loved God with all of his heart. Now verse 5 ends with the phrase, with joyful lips. And verse 7 ends with the phrase, I will sing for joy. So we see from that that David experienced great joy. And that reminds me of Psalm 1611, where David also wrote, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. David experienced joy. The New Testament talks about joy unspeakable and full of glory. But that comes from knowing God and experiencing his presence. Now the last verse here, verse 8, says, My soul clings... You. Your right hand upholds me. Other translations of clings to are stays close to, and holds on to. I believe it's the Young's literal translation that even says cleaves to. I don't want to be too graphic. We don't have anybody who would be terribly offended, but. In other words, we don't have young children here, other than Garrett, who won't understand what I'm saying. It's like the embrace of a husband and wife between God and us. That's the kind of clinging to that David's writing about. The New King James Version says, my soul follows close behind you. And the New English translation says, my soul pursues you. You know, this verse inspired another song. I remember Don Moen singing this at Resurrection Fellowship and later on on Integrity's Hazan, a music tape. Yeah, it was a tape. I'm an old guy. <laughs> that song goes like this. <coughs> My soul follows hard after thee. Early in the morning will I rise up and seek thee. And because thou hast been my help, under the shadow of thy wings, I will rejoice. Cool song blessed me then and blesses me now. Well, believe it or not, I'm about to close. And David was a remarkable man who had an intimate relationship with the Lord. But Something God spoke to me this morning is this. David was to be an example to us, not an idol. Because God wants all of us to have what David had, it is available. In fact, it's more available to you as a new covenant believer than it was to David. It's available to you. So what did David have? He had a heart after God that passionately pursued deeper relationship with him. He had the spiritual perception to see God in his glory, power, and beauty. He had an intimate experience of God's steadfast love for him. The sweet psalmist of Israel had a rich life of praise and worship. Remember, he wrote 73 of the 150 psalms. He had a deeply satisfied soul and great joy from spending much time in the presence of the Lord. So would you like to have what David had? Well, if you would, you must do what David did to get what he got from the Lord. So what did he do? David fully committed himself to God, earnestly sought him, thirsted for him, and even recognized his body's need for him. There was one thing David desired above all else. He wanted to dwell in the presence of the Lord all the days of his life, beholding the beauty, power, and glory of the Lord and meditating on him. David remembered the God who had helped him throughout his life and gave him glory for what he had done for him. David followed hard after the Lord, pursuing him, Passionately. So, this morning, are you willing to do what David did and be rewarded by what David had? Would you like the Lord to say of you? This is a person who yes. after my own heart yes. who will do all my will. I want to give you an opportunity to consider those questions before the Lord. We're going to play two songs that you may not be familiar with. Again, they're by Tommy Wing. I encourage you to listen quietly as you open your heart to the Holy Spirit and let Him do His work.
0: God, we thank you. Thank you for Arnie. Let the river flow. Father, I, I pray that you would give us a deeper revelation of our body being your temple and pursuing a lifestyle that would see that temple filled with your presence and your glory. So, Lord, go with us now. Let us be salt and light. And let us see your kingdom come. Right here in Cheyenne. For the glory of your Son. Amen.